Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Galatians? A letter to the Galatians, please. Thank you, Billy and team, for leading us this evening and this morning. Wonderful praise unto the Lord. Galatians, please. Chapter 6. We'll just read a verse or two here, or three. Verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not let us pray father we thank you for the praise that's went before for the sense of your spirit for the exaltation of your son and lord we thank you lord that you are still on the throne, over all things, and over all peoples. I thank you, Lord, that you are still the almighty God, never to falter, and never to change. I thank you, Lord, this evening that we can say thou art immutable. Lord, we just thank you that we can rest our head knowing that you are in control. When things seem like they're out of control, Lord, you are still in control. Father, we thank you for the souls you've been saving and the the souls you've been restoring this week from last Sunday. Thank you for them even being in the meeting tonight again, Lord. Pray you'd bless them, encourage them, Lord, in their walk with you. Father, we just thank you above all things for the blood of the Lamb. Lord, tonight we pray that you would help this man speak well of your son to glorify you, Father, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So take, Lord, what I've written and what will be said tonight. And I ask you, Lord, by your spirit, you would move upon my heart and use my mouth and lips for the glory of Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's strange how this message came about. Praying as I usually do for a message for Sunday morning, Sunday evening. And early in the week it happened to be, sometimes it's later in the week. This one line dropped into me. Verse 7. My text is, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. I've preached on this quite a few times and I know that it's in uh, missions and uh, gospel events. This text is always one of the favorites to preach to people to get right with God and, and, and rightly so. And so I sat down to write it and as I sat down to write I've just seen something completely different. 
The Lord seemed to open my heart to something I'd never even realized in it before. And so this evening, the title is A Prophetic Warning to the Saint. Sinners unto the state. In other words, the government. A prophetic warning to the saint, to sinners and the state. In verse 7 it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. Paul is setting forth here in this short little letter of just six chapters, especially in this verse here, He's setting forth to the Galatians and to you and I, there's actually a prophetic warning, yet it is something we take for granted, that that which we sow, there's a future date coming that we will reap. That which the saint sows, you may reap. Service for God. Sowing into your family, into your friends, and sowing the gospel, and sowing good seed of the word of God, and we will reap, and and speaking of our own uh, church here, uh, this bodily expression of Christ here in Guildford, when we keep sowing, brothers and sisters, if we don't faint, we will reap. And God has said it in his word that we will reap a harvest. But it's what we sow, how we sow. And we must sow good seed, the good seed of the word of God. But prophetically speaking, he's saying, do not allow yourself to be deceived. And he's also saying, and I'm going to bring it out in a little while, it's, it, it goes deeper. I've dug up, I've got under it, as my pastors say, you get the spade under each word and turn it over, and dig it out and see what it is. See the context of it and uh, everything that's behind it. And it's not just to you and I, uh, to the saint, but to the sinner. That be not deceived, God is not mocked, that whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. But it's also a national issue at stake here. A national issue of what our nation is sowing and everything that's happening. It will reap it. And we are starting to see that reaping taking place. We're starting to see our structures. Starting to see the things that people relied upon and would, would trust in more than God himself and organizations and institutions and they're all collapsing and falling down around us we're reaping that which we have allowed to be sown in our land and in our nation and this is prophetic of what is to come what will happen and it's not just do not allow yourself to be deceived saint or sinner or state but it says to the person to you and I and to those who are sinning against God, not just to not allow yourself to be deceived, but it actually gives the idea of stop fooling yourself. Don't fool yourself, for many are fooling themselves. Secondly, it is that God is not mocked, and, and then comes the sowing. And Paul is telling us, this is set in motion, and this is set in place. Just like you plant something in the ground, it will grow and you bear the fruit of it, depending what you plant, how you plant, where you plant, and when you plant. It makes all of the difference. The apostle may also be showing us and warning us 
And I need you to get this, to catch this, because this is what the Lord really just opened this up to me. The apostle showing us a warning us of a, of what the world thinks, what society thinks, what the sinners in society thinks. And even sad to say what many saints, I can say, church, church people supposedly blood washed and blood bought and saved people think. They think it's a progression in the, the days and the hours in which we live. They see what's happening in our nation as progression. It's a moving forward. It's a building up. It's a, a getting better. Build back better is what they say in London, isn't it? Build back better. Brothers and sisters and friends this evening, this is not a progression. It's like a chain, they think. If we can break free from God, you can call us deceived all you want, but we will mock him. Mock him to his face, to your face, and we will mock him and say, we don't believe in God. We don't believe in God. And God's saying, stop fooling yourselves. We don't believe in him. And we're progressing on in in society. We're progressing on in, in everything that we want to progress in, in all the ways of man and all the wickedness that we can do. And we want to progress away so we can Be deceived if you want to call us that, they say. And we will mock God, but little do they know there's a reaping that's coming. It's a warning. It's a prophetic warning. Live like that. Do that. Act like that. And be like that all you want. But there's a day coming when the wages will be paid. There is a prophetic warning here for everyone. They think it is a progression in this chain. Which really, it is not a progression, but it's a retrogression. A retrogression is really a reverse of making progress. The the society and and where we live in our nation, they all think it's progressive, progressive today. Everything's progressive, and we're progressing in this room, we're progressing in that. And little do they know that the more they progress in their mind, They're actually retrogressive. They are actually declining. The nation is declining. Morals are declining. Spirituality is declining. The gospel in its truest form is declining. The preaching of the cross, of the blood and of the book is declining. It's not needed anymore. The Bible's an antiquated book and we don't care. Little do they know it's retrogression. It's a reverse of making progress. They're not progressing. They are making a reverse. Retrogression or regression in spiritual matters is a digression. In other words, to digress means you're going one way and you turn another. You veer off to get out of the road of what you know is true ahead. You know that the Lord is true ahead and you veer off to another way. You try and, and fight against it and you think against it and you speak against it. But really what you're doing here, you're being deceived. The nation is being deceived. Corrupt leaders and corrupt politics and corrupt men and corrupt women and corrupt elitists. And all of this are being deceived and hence The nation follows suit. Do you know who's really to blame in this? The church. 
because the church has dropped its standards. The saint, if I can call them that, have moved away from the gospel of saving grace in Christ. They have taken everything of sanctification and living right and holiness and made it into a mess. And hence the world, well, they don't care about becoming a little bit more like the church because the church is so much like the world. The Holy Ghost is removed, as it were, is no longer in the place because they want to put in disco balls and flashing lights and smoke machines to try and replace what God should be doing. But really, it's just smoke and mirrors. It's a, it's a blanketing of, of people that they will be blinded. But really, the men on the platform, on the pulpit, the preachers of the word of God, they are the ones who are to blame because many of them have walked away. They have veered off. They have digressed with the world because it's easy to preach easy things. It's easy to preach easy things and you don't get any hassle and you don't get any trouble and you know you have nothing really to worry about and we don't rock the boat and we don't say the things that we should say and we don't take the stand for the things we should take the stand on. And what happens? We become like the world and the world becomes like the church and we're more like a cruise ship than a battleship. Notice here, this, this is not progression as the world sees it, but it is retrogression, it's a digression, it's a veering off, it's a, a taking us away from the biblical standards and the path of God. And this, of course, leads to deterioration and degradation in our communities, in our streets. For example, when the saint has no scriptural standing, in other words, they don't bring the word of God. They bring a thought. They bring a little thought, a little idea. Now, illustrations are okay because I use illustrations too. And if nothing against illustrations, but when you have a sermon full of illustrations and none of that, you have no scriptural standing. And many of them have no scriptural standing. The so-called, and I say so-called because I leave them with God, the so-called saved have no biblical basis in their life. Some of them say, well, I got saved, but they, they, they live like the world. They live like the world. There's no change in their life. And if there's no change in their life, you can be sure there's no Christ in their life. Yet they will profess to know Christ but not possess Christ, many of them. Yeah, they'll go to church, but that's as much as and as far as they will go. And they've no biblical basis, and they sow not sanctified seed, but seed of another kind, a different kind that's not of God. And hence the word find it easy. The sinner finds it comfortable to sit in the pew if they're asked to go to church. Do you see if you're not saved and you find it comfortable to sit in here, then I'm not doing my job right? Someone once said that if they don't hate the preacher or hate their sin, then there's something wrong. I don't mind being hated. 
as long as the Spirit of God is convicting hearts of men and women. The sinner has no convicting call because there's no word. There's nothing taken from the from sacred scriptures, from the Holy Writ. And in fact, some of the translations they call it, I call it more perversions of the word of God. Some of the translations won't even know you're reading the word of God. And there's no substance in it. And when they read it out, there's nothing there. If it's read out. The sinner is no convicting call because the word of God and the stand of the church has come to a place now where it's, uh, let's talk, uh, a little talk, and uh, let's get the settees and the chairs up onto the stage, as it were, and let's just have a little chat while the people sit and listen, and we could drink a coffee. Brothers and sisters, we're told, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove and rebuke and so on. The apostles preached the word. Remember a woman one time says to me, oh, it was years ago, I went to see if she had been in the church that I'd went to before I came and she left. And her and her husband and I thought, I got, a, I got her name and I thought, I'm going to go down and see if I can get them to come back again. I drove away down, and I said where it was anyway, uh, and uh, sitting in her living room and she says, are you one of them preachers that really hits home hard, home, home hard and you do a bit of shouting and get all, all aggravated and agitated at times and you get excited? I says, I am. And he says, oh, I couldn't sit under that. I says, then you're better staying at home, dear. And she did. Stay at home. See, the brothers and sisters, the problem is the preachers are afraid of the people. The Laodicean last church age, it means the laity of the church are now telling the people, or te- the people are telling the, the pastor or the preacher how to preach, what to preach. Just recently, and I see a man like but a minister was talking to someone else, I'll not say who it was, but they were talking to someone else and they were saying, it's great to see you down to give your testimony and almost secretly whispering it because they're in a denomination, a Protestant denomination, and they were saying, you know, I believe it, but I'm just not really allowed to preach it. Not allowed to preach it. But I'm glad you've come because you can give your testimony and bring the gospel and, well, you'll go home and I'll go, I was a bit rough if they didn't like it. Brothers and sisters, the sinner has no convicting call. The sinner holds no reverence then or respect for God. And the sinner chooses their course of conduct before him. And they walk away, deceived but not realizing it, but not believing it anyway. They mock God to his face. But it isn't payday yet. It isn't payday yet. And the saint, when he or she is like that, and the sinner goes likewise, so the state or the nation, the government will go. And here's why. Here's why. I got all this out of just reading that one verse. Here's why. Because the populace of the nation are deceived They will then vote in 
those who they want, that they may follow the rules of the deceit. That's the way our nation's going. You have to remember, when you're voting coming up, you remember who advocates for the slaying of the children in the womb. And don't vote for them. I can't tell you who to vote for. But you look and see who advocates the saving of the babies in the womb. And I would vote for them. That's what I'm voting for. But I'm not here to talk about you voting. But the populace of the nation are deceived. And hence they vote in who they want. They get the laws they want to live how they like. That they may walk accordingly to the lusts of their flesh. And do that which they would like to do. So if the populace of the nation are deceived and the people of the state are then godless and the population of the country become mockers, then the demographics will change and their determination will prevail because they will say we will not vote you in unless you go down this line. Be not deceived. For God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Why many call this so-called progression? Or if you want, progressivism. Let me get a drink first. Progressivism. We hear it all the time on our news. We read it all the time on social media of progressivism. In other words, progressive society we live in. They talk about progressive politics. They talk about progressive this and progressive that and progressive thinking and progressive the other. And it cannot be said that all progressivism is wrong or bad. There are some, some good elements to some things for the human being. Yet it seems that all that is bad and all that is godless is coming from all that is progressivism. See, the next time now you're watching the news and some of those politicians want to talk about progressivism, a progressive group, a progressive politician, oh, a progressive church minister, a progressive this, that, or the other, progressive politics, you're going to know exactly what spirit they're of, what mind they're thinking. You see, the saint or the Christian or the church that has no scriptural seed or no biblical basis, if they're not preaching from the book, they're not preaching, preaching the blood in the book. And if of no biblical basis and it has not been sowing sanctified seed that is preaching the unadulterated gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, salvation by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone. If they're not preaching this, then brothers and sisters, while Christ turned water into wine, they're turning the wine of the gospel into water. They're turning the wine of the gospel into water. Many have sowed to the flesh 
rather than sowing good seed to the Spirit. Listen to General William Booth of the Salvation Army. Probably wrote this about 120 or so years ago. I'm not sure. Listen to what he says. You think he was living today. He's a prophet here. He's prophesying. The chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit. We see it, don't we? Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. Every one of them, he's hit the nail on the head. The Holy Ghost laid hold of that man over 100, maybe even more, 100 and something years ago. The chief danger of the 20th century. Well, William Booth, if you were alive in this century, all of you, all that you have said has happened in the church. It's happened among the saints. It's happened in society. It's happened among the sinners. And it's happened in our state. The chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit. That's what I was speaking of a few moments ago. Religion without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ. It seems ludicrous. How can you have Christianity without Christ when his very name is in it? And yet we do. And yet we do. There's many places Christ and his sufferings. Christ and his sacrifice. Christ and his blood is not allowed to be preached. May God write anathema over the roof of this church should it ever happen in CET. Pastor Glenn, if anything ever happens to me, I know you'll always preach the blood in the book. Forgiveness without repentance. See, people want heaven, but they don't want to know the God of heaven. They don't want heaven now on earth. They don't want to know God and to walk with him in forgiveness. They don't want it. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but none want the Christ, the King of heaven. And his forgiveness without repentance, they don't want to come weeping over their sin. They don't want to come turning from their sin and from their wicked ways, but rather, let me live the way I am, and still can I go to heaven? Let me do the things I do and can I still go to heaven? Brothers and sisters, a man or a woman who lives in such a case, I don't care how much they profess it. I don't care how much they've proclaimed it. If you're living in a state of sin and you die like that, well, I wouldn't like to be in your shoes. I wouldn't like to be in your shoes should you stand before God and you're living in sin. Notice this. Politics, salvation without regeneration, no quickening of the Holy Ghost. That's uh, salvation is in. Let's do this ritual in church. Let's do the mass. Let's do the, the the rosary. Let's do all of this. But there's no regeneration of the heart. No regeneration of the spirit. I go to my church, whatever your denomination may have been, and look, I'm not saying everybody's bad. I'm just saying this is that you cannot be saved by your church. 
You cannot be saved by your rituals. You cannot be saved by what you think you can do. Salvation isn't in this place. Salvation isn't in this man. Salvation is in a person, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Brothers and sisters, no matter what way we are, as we say in Northern Ireland, I don't care what foot you kick with. It doesn't matter. If you're not saved, you'll end up in the same lake of fire as the person from the other side. Let's put it like that. If you're not saved, you will be lost forever. When the saint is in such a condition... The sinner hears no convicting call and has no respect or reverence toward God and toward his word. And so they choose the wrong course of conduct. They are deceived. Will you say deceived? deceived? They're deceived. Now we're going to look at some of these words in a moment. They are deceived and so they mock God and put in place their own godlessness, their progressivity, their own government, and hence it is fleshy. It is carnal. And you know what it sows? Corruption. Nationally, it sows corruption. Listen, you look at the things that are going, that are happening, like even the NHS, the health system. You look at all these things, they're falling to bits. It's falling down around or all around us. You look at the things that men are trying to bolster with borrowing more money. The economy. This has to do with Brexit. No, it's not to do with Brexit. It's to do with sin. It's to do with turning away from God. It's falling down around us. Look at the state of our government. It's corrupt. It's falling down around us. In God's eyes, this is not progressive, but regressive and retrogressive. It's turned away. It's everything but it in God's eyes. They've went far. They're going deeper and lower and sinking in the mire and where they're taking themselves away and others with them from God. And they're deceived. Would you turn with me to the book of Hosea, please? The wonderful book of Hosea, one of my favorites. And if you will, it's after Daniel, by the way, if it helps you any. It's after the book of Daniel. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea 4, please. Let's read from verse 1. We'll stop and start a bit through this. Just for a few verses. Hear ye the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. This is the northern kingdom of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth nor mercy nor knowledge of God in the land. See the word controversy? It says you better hear. The idea is prick up your ears and listen. Prick up your ears and listen, friend. The Lord has a controversy. Now, see if the Lord has a controversy with you, it means you're in trouble. It means the nation is in trouble it's in dire need of a repentance unto life. The controversy here means a lawsuit, and the Lord has a lawsuit against you, house of Israel. 
The Lord has a lawsuit against you, United Kingdom, Ireland, United States, Canada. The Lord has a forensic lawsuit. That's what it gives the idea. Forensics. When they, you know forensics when they find the little things you would even forget about, you don't know about? Do you know forensics when they take something and they, uh, they get the magnifying glass out of whatever way they do it? And, and they're able to blow things up and examine it right to the finer, innermost details of it. It's the idea of this. It says the Lord has a, a forensic controversy lawsuit against you. And the thing about it is, brothers and sisters, here the Lord is able to see and know sin and the things of the hearts of men and women and their thoughts and their machinations and everything they can build up and even things they've forgotten about, even things they didn't know they had done wrong. And the Lord forensically has every single one of them still alive in front of him as if it was committed just that very second. You think of our nation like this. The Lord has a controversy with our nation, possibly with the saint or the church, if I can call it that, for a saint is maybe... Probably the right term to put it at this point, because if you are a true saint, you're washed in the blood and you, you want to go on with God, you're saved and you love Christ and his word. And to the sinner alike. Notice the Lord is a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. You see, when there's no knowledge of God, then the people are deceived and truth becomes relative. I want to say it again, for this is, this is important. When, when, I, when this dropped into me, and I'm thinking of the way our nation is, the way uh, some, of, some people are, the way uh, sinful sinners are individually, I was like this, so I know better. But I love the Lord, and I'm pressing on in God, and I'm washed in the blood. But when I see this, I want you to catch it. When there's no knowledge of God, then the people are deceived and the truth becomes relative. Would you say relative? That's important. Now that's important. Lord showed me it was like, it was as if I'd just seen all news flashes in front of me and everything that's been happening in front of me sitting in my study. So there's no knowledge, there's no truth. And truth then so-called becomes relative rather than absolute. You believe what is true. This is what it means to be relative. Relative. You believe what is true for you and I'll believe what is true for me. You believe what is true for you and I will believe what is true for me. In other words, it's all what I think. There's no moral standard no moral standards. You could say, oh, hardcore pornography is fine. That's my moral standards, what I think. It's relative truth to you. But to me, I might think it abhorrent. And to the next person, something different. Where is the moral standard? You see, when there's no absolute truth, that's because there's none of this. Those are absolute truth. There's your moral standard. 
Can you see in our society how we're living with a relative truth to everybody's heart? Can you see in our nation how we can see they all think they're right? They all think that they're true. They all think they can live how they like because, you see, they're deceived. There's no absolute truth because there's no word of God, no knowledge of God in the land to them. And it's the church's job. It's the preacher's job. It's the minister's job, the pastor's job to bring this word and to give it to them. But then they say, but if we do that, we'll get into trouble. We'll do that and, you know, they'll be knocking at our door. If we do that, we'll end up in McGabry Prison. Brothers and sisters, I'm not looking for trouble. I don't want trouble. But I'd rather be true to the word of God and end up in McGabry than to see a load of people going to hell forever. There's the standard. That's why the Ten Commandments are called the moral commandments, the moral law of God. Our nation was built upon it. They tear it down from buildings. They take it out of schools and out of colleges and universities. There's no, 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 no want for it or no will for it. And because God's knowledge then of the knowledge of God is taken from little children's hearts and right up to the time they grow into this. They grew up into this. Is listening to me, kids? Children, are you listening to me? Don't grow up into this. Listen to your godly parents. Listen to those who will lead you in the way. Listen to those who will tell you of the things of God and how much he loves you and he died for you. Brothers and sisters as well, it's up to you. My family, listen, it's up to you to have your children under the word of God. Amen. It's up to you. Because if you don't teach them the moral commandment of God, and if you don't tell them of the glorious gospel of Christ, the sanctification and right living, if you don't bring them up in the ways of the Lord, I can tell you, the devil will certainly, and the world will take them, and they'll teach them quicker than you will. How to serve the God of this world. Notice this. Without the knowledge of God and his word, the absolute truth Truth simply becomes relative and is rooted in nothing more than man's opinion. And so in return, mercy may never go beyond their own self-interest. I don't care. I don't care if you're against me. I don't care if you think I'm wrong. I don't care what God says. And it gets to the point, it passes what we call the stage of equality, so-called and it then becomes a stage where they look back and look down on the Christian who wants to walk by the standards of the Lord. And here's what happens. They look down their nose and they turn it up. And we're going to look at this in a moment. And they look at us and we become the wrong ones for wanting to live right before God. 
And if you don't agree with me, in fact, if you don't bow down to me, then I'll tell you, I'm going to get you arrested. I'm going to tell you some brothers, I know this is tough. I know you're not going to hear this in whatever little church down the street. I know you're not. But I don't know why. I sat down thinking, I'm going to write a wee gospel message. And this is what the Lord put in me from that one text. And I said, Lord, you're not going to give these to somebody else. I did. He even said the Allison yesterday. You don't want to give these to someone else. I'm attacked on the left hand and on the right. See, before last weekend, I was told to stop preaching. Someone told me, came on, wrote to me and told me, you need to stop preaching. Well, if I had of, there was two souls came to the Lord last Sunday night. The one that heard the word. By the way, this is from another Christian too. Here, Hosea is saying, mercy has left. Truth is relative. Verse 2, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing, committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. The northern kingdom were seeing this on every side. Blood toucheth blood. Do you know what the Hebrew says on this? Listen to this. Bloody deed touches bloody deed. Bloody deed touches bloody deed. In other words, violent deeds became so common, one followed so close after another. And it was as though they touched one another. In other words, it seems to be there's one thing after another, then another, then another, then another. Brothers and sisters, bloody deeds touching bloody deeds. The innocent die. Baby slain in the womb. On a continual basis. People taking life and murdering other people. Because of what? Because of maybe religion or because they've fallen out with them or because they're in a different gang. Slaying people, slaughtering people. Blood touches blood in our nation. And it's been doing it for years and years and years. And I'm going to tell you, without their repentance for those men and those women, those terrorists, I'm going to tell you now, they will stand before God. They'll stand guilty in His presence. Verse 4, we'll just move quickly to 4. Yet let no man strive, to, nor reprove another, for thy priest, for thy people, pardon me, are as they that strive with the priest. Do you know what they're saying here? The priests were administrators as well as worked in the temple. But it's saying here, look, you're not allowed to strive with me. The priests who were the administrators among the people have now become likewise. And it gets even worse. Look at this. This is the church, as it were, in verse 5. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. In other words, what it's saying here is the prophet who brings God to the people, 
The priest who was to bring the people to God and the prophet brings God to the people. He's saying, in other words, the church, as it were, if we can put it like that, in the Old Testament, the same as today. They're looking for someone to take their stand. We're looking in a time when blood touches blood. We're looking for someone to stand behind a sacred desk and preach the word with boldness and clarity, without fear or favor of man or beast. They're looking for it because the prophets are failing. There's no more prophetic voice. No more prophetic voice for the nation. No more prophetic voice for the sinner. No more prophetic voice in the church. And they're saying, we need it because we're dying. We're falling into corruption. Our nation is going to hell in a hog cart. We see it in Britain tonight. United Kingdom. In Ireland. Even the churches let us down. The priest and the prophet. There's no truth. Stop preaching the word. I thank God that many places in Ulster tonight are still men preaching the word of God. That's not what I'm meaning, but what they used to be, what we used to have, the caliber, the caliber of the men, stalwarts, unashamed and unafraid, stalwarts for the gospel, thundering it out without fear or favor, telling the people of their need of repentance. Now it's come to the altar and sure if you've got lost again during the day, come back next week and get saved all over again. If they weren't saved the first time, then they need saved again. But if they were saved the first time and they know Christ, then they will fall in love with him. Verse 9. Notice what it says. Verse 8. They eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on iniquity. Oh, Walster. What have you done? What have you done? Verse 9 says, And there shall be like people, like priests. The ministers are just going to do what they're told and they're going to preach in case they'll lose their job. In case they get a reduction in their pay packet. In case they lose their months. In case the people don't come back. So be like people like priests. Now listen, it says, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. Never be satisfied. They shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom, wine, and new wine, 
take away the heart. You know, people call me stuffy and call me a dinosaur. Call me all sorts of things. But I believe the Lord's day is still the Lord's day. It's a holy day, not a holy day. It's not a sports day. It's not a pop concert day. I'm going to say it again. It's not a pop concert day. Christian, what do you say? Yeah. Oh, you're just, you're just stuffy and you're, you're just, you're antiquated. You're a dinosaur. You're just too old now. No, I'm not. I'm not. I believe the Lord's day, the Lord's day. The Lord's day for the Lord. It's not a running a marathon day. Oh, because I know a whole lot that went. Well, a few. Not here. I hope. It's the Lord's day. I know I'll get all sorts of stuff for saying that. But nevertheless, brothers and sisters, it is what it is. So in Galatians 6, I have to rush and finish this off here. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Be not deceived. The word deceived here is the word plano. Plano. It means to go astray, to wander out of the way, to roam about. But here... And I mentioned it earlier, but here, not only don't let others deceive you and don't roam about with them, don't wander away with them, don't wander away with your university uh, peers and don't wander away, wander away from the Lord with your schoolmates or, or your workmates or whatever it is. It means that, but it also here in Galatians 6 and 7 lends itself more. Are you ready? I want you to hear it now. It means... Do not deceive yourself. Do not deceive yourself. Do you know, do you ever get you're talking to someone and you're telling them the truth of the word and they're trying to make their excuses and all, and you sort of go on, you think you're, you think you're, you're thick, don't you? You ever get that? I get it all the time as the pastor. People say, oh, pastor, is this that? And I go, okay, right, bless you. Yep, all right. Think I'm thick? Seen it all, heard it all, million times before. I don't know many times I've heard it. But you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Listen to this. I looked it up to see what deceiving yourself would say in the dictionary. Macmillan Dictionary says this. You ready? It means to refuse to believe something because you do not want to. <laughs> Telling the people, telling many Christians, it's time, Christian, to get on fire for God. It's time to get some fire in your belly. Holy Ghost fire. It's time to get some passion again for Christ. It's time to be alive for Him and alive to Him and waking up. It's time to give ourselves a shake. 
There's many who are deceiving themselves and making excuses. They refuse to believe something because they do not want to. Listen to Longman's Dictionary of Contemporary English. To deceive yourself means to refuse to believe that something is true because the truth is unpleasant. Boy, the pastor was in some form the night, wasn't he? He was a bit harder than night, wasn't he? I don't really want to take that on board, even though in my heart I know it's true, because it's unpleasant. Because it's unpleasant. People out there, sometimes when you're preaching, you're reaching out, you're giving tracts, wherever you're doing, keep doing it. And you will get them who will think you're unpleasant, but it's not you, it's unpleasant, it's the truth. It's unpleasant. It's not really you to hate, it's Christ to hate. Listen to the dictionary.com. The definition of deceiving oneself. Deceiving oneself, especially in justifying a false belief, you're at a, or a morally reprehensive act or the like. Deceiving yourself that this is moral, how I live. This is moral, what I do. This is moral. All the morals are gone today. Do you know where the morals are taking us from? They've taken us from gay marriage, now to gender equality, and all of that stuff. Do you know where it's taking you to? Sexually attracted people to minors. Pedophiles, pedophilia. That's where it's bringing us to. That's their morals because it's relative to them. Now listen, it's going to bring us where the pedophile, well, they're just sexually attracted to minors. They can't help it, so there you go. Listen, they're not, they're perverts. <laughs> Be not deceived. The word deceived here is the word mukterizo. Mukterizo. And it comes from the word mukter, which means the nose. You ready? The nose. The nose. Hence it means to turn up the nose at someone. To turn up the nose at something. So be not deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, God is mocked by you. You turn up the nose at God. That's what it means. You turn up the nose at God's word. So it doesn't mean that God isn't mocked as though it never or doesn't happen, but rather it gives the idea that it is impossible. Catch this. It is impossible to impose upon God who discerns the thoughts and the intents of every man's heart and life, the self-deception of deluded motives. In other words, it doesn't matter whether they think they're deceived or not deceived. It doesn't matter whether they turn the nose up at God or not. It doesn't matter if they say there's a God, there isn't a God, they believe in a God, or they don't believe in God. It doesn't change God's attributes. God is still God. That's what it means. Be not deceived. For God is not mocked. Turn your nose up at him. But he's still God. Refuse him. He's still God. Mock him. He's still God. 
blaspheme him. He is still God. And he's still on the throne. And he's still on the throne. One word can mean a lot, can't it? Just one word can mean a lot. Well, too much material. Let me close it with this. In Proverbs 23 and verse 9, it says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. The word despise here means he will hold in contempt. The Hebrew word for despise here is the word booze. Booze. And it means that he will turn the nose up at you. He will hold you as insignificant. And the Greek corresponding word is muktrezo, where they mock God. So if they're mocking God, they're mocking you. And if they mock you, they're mocking God. And whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse 8 of Galatians 6, For he that soweth of the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And the word corruption, thore, thore. Why did he get this? Because this is what it means. It means destruction. Ethically, it can mean a moral decay. It's not what we've been speaking about. The moral decay. In other words, men are dying. Listen, See if you smoke 60 cigarettes a day, you're going to end up with bad lungs. It's as simple as that. You're going to, you're going to reap that. You're going to end up with health issues. If you, if you drink all your life and you're heavy drinking, you're going to end up with maybe a bad liver, kidneys. I know because I was there. When I got saved, were, the doctors were testing me for pancreatitis, for kidney damage and liver damage, and I have kidney damage. Thank the Lord he stopped the progression of it when I got sealed. You keep taking drugs. One drug might kill. And it brings corruption to the body. Hence when the laws are brought in, like they're bringing all these unjust laws, you know what they're doing? They're corrupting the nation nationally. We're being corrupted. And sinner, if you're living a life like that, your heart's corrupted and they need to come to Christ in repentance. And he'll forgive you. And he'll save you. And he'll wash you by faith in the blood of his son. And you'll be born again of his spirit. And you'll be heaven bound. You'll be in the kingdom. Because those of us who sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But those who sow to the spirit shall reap of the spirit Life everlasting. Life everlasting. In other words, it's just everlasting life back to front. It's the same. Someday if the Lord tarries, this mortal coil will die. 
but I'm saved forever. I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. I'm Christ's. Are you? Are you saved? Are you Christ? That's a prophetic word. You're sowing. What are you sowing? You're sowing into the flesh. Sowing sin. Sowing wrong seed. It's not sanctified. It's not the word of God. It's other seed. The seed of the world. The seed of those who are deceived. The seed of those who are in our nation. Who we see who are aggressive and angry against everything that is godly. Is that what you're sowing? Because you'll end up reaping everlasting damnation. But if you come to Christ tonight, if you get saved tonight, if you call upon the name of the Lord tonight, you'll be saved for all eternity. And you'll be forgiven and washed in the blood of the Lamb. God bless his word to us this evening. See, tonight if you're not saved, I want you to see me, see Andrew, see Pastor Glenn down there. Come to us and talk to us. Tell us, I'm not right with God. I need, to, I need to get myself right with God before I leave this place. Come and tell us. Come and talk to us. We can't save you, but we'll point you to Christ. And God bless you tonight. For Jesus' name's sake. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your attendance this evening. Brother, we're using the group. Please come up and lead us on out in the time of praise then. Thank you.